This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs. And I'm here with my husband, and that's why I'm trying not to laugh, because we're sitting here looking at a mic. (laughs) (laughs) Because we have something a little bit different in store for you before we kick off season two in February. In these few episodes in January, we want to think about what does it look like to find holy right where you are in your church, in your neighborhood. It's going to be a little suburban boot camp, if you will. So Bryce Hales, who is the pastor of our church, Resurrection Orange County, here in Orange County, California. Yeah, welcome. (laughs) Thanks. So where are we? What are we doing? Why has this been something that we've been talking about? Yeah, we are right now, we're sitting in my office, which is uh, my little Harry Potter office under the stairs in our house. And uh, yeah, excited to be here. We got all four of our kids asleep, so it's podcast time. Well, they're in bed. I doubt they're asleep. True. Yeah. But we want to talk about the idea of consumerism. And I write about consumerism in my book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, because I think it's really infiltrated how we live our lives, not only in the suburbs, but maybe even if we have like a suburbs of the soul, if we're focused on comfort and ease um, in affluent areas. And Bryce, I think, has a lot to to add to that. Yeah. What what I really want to talk about is not so much consumerism, because I, I think when we talk about consumerism, we can maybe come away with the idea that buying things is bad. And I don't think we're trying to say that buying things is bad. Right. But... I would love to think about it in terms of the false promise of convenience. Mm. Um, And I think that that is sort of the idea of consumerism, not just the uh, consuming things. There's nothing wrong with consuming things. But consumerism is the false promise of convenience that um, things should be more convenient, that they ought to be convenient, and it's le- and it's bad if they're not more convenient. So almost like it's a moral issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time, and it seems like there's this sense um, where we live especially that things ought to be more convenient. Somebody was telling me recently about how much of her life she could uh, control just with apps on her phone, you know, with Postmates and, uh, you can order online from Costco and they will deliver it and pack it in your fridge within like no a couple of hour window. Um, and there's this idea, not just, like I said, not just that, yeah, it's great that life is convenient, but they should be, con- it should be convenient. And what's wrong with, um, Life, if it's not convenient, it's a problem. It's a moral imperative for us that things ought to be easier for us. Where do you think that comes from? Like, why? Like, what is it about the human soul, the human condition that makes us think that ease is our ultimate good? Well, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but I'm not sure that it's good for us. Um, and, And when I say that, I don't think that we should want things to be harder. Um... Very puritanical. Yeah, we're not advocating this aesthetic uh, Aesthetic. aesthetic life. 
We're not saying move out into the uh, the desert or something, but I think that it's natural when um, you know you live in a place where there are uh, there's a Starbucks in every strip mall, and there's also a Starbucks in the grocery store in the same strip mall because it's too far to go. And in the Target. And in the Target, and there's a drive-through one also. Um, but when you've got you know, two to four kids that you're trying to get from activity to activity and you're trying to keep on top of everything, it's natural to uh, gravitate towards things in life that are convenient. Mm -hmm. And yet it begins to create this idea in us that everything ought to be convenient. And the problem with that is that most of the best parts of life aren't convenient. Mm -hmm. uh, marriage is not convenient. Having children and raising them well is not <laughs> convenient. Um, church is definitely not convenient. Mm -hmm. It's not convenient at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I watched this video on YouTube about the safest kind of intersection in the world. Yeah. And um, do you know what the safest kind of intersection in the world is? The safest I kind do, of but intersection I'm not say. <laughs> in the world is a roundabout. And we live in this master plan community where there are all these roundabouts and everybody hates roundabouts. Especially the slow people in front of you. And I really hate people in front of me <laughs> trying to figure out how to use roundabouts because uh, you just go through them. You just go through. But um, everybody hates roundabouts. And um, the fascinating thing about this, uh, it, it really makes sense if you think about it. If you're if you're on a four lane highway, you know, f like three four lanes in each direction, you will drive sixty five plus miles an hour. You can put up a sign that says the speed limit is twenty five. It doesn't matter. People are going to drive that fast. And if you're making a left turn and somebody hits you head on, that's going to be a bad scenario. And so the reason that roundabouts are the safest kind of intersection in the world is because it's almost impossible to get into a head on collision in a roundabout. Mm -hmm. You have to slow down to 15 to 18 miles an hour to get around a roundabout. Mm -hmm. And so any collision that happens in a roundabout is going to be a very slow speed kind of uh, you know, glancing into the side of another car. Mm -hmm. So, but this is what I thought was so fascinating. Yes. Roundabouts are the safest kind of intersection in the world, not despite the fact that they're inconvenient, but actually because they're inconvenient. Mm. And I think that's a great metaphor for the spiritual life, mm. the Christian life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's nothing convenient about church. Uh, it's not easy to get your family to church. It's not. Um, uh, but but part of the point of church is that we are um, put into a situation where we have to interact with people that we would not choose mm -hmm. to interact with. Um, the allure of convenience is, uh, you know, I can I can form a community of like minded people on the Internet. Right. And or I only. Even a, at our gym or something. Yeah, or at like, my yeah. gym. Uh, yeah. By opting into places um, that are convenient for me, mm -hmm. I'll, I interact with people that are just like me. Mm. And so I don't have to figure out how to get along with people that have different values and preferences mm. than I do. Mm. And so I think the beauty of the church, 
like the roundabout is it's better not not despite the fact that it's inconvenient it's better because it's inconvenient mm -hmm. it, it it forces us to slow down and to interact with people that we wouldn't choose to interact with and then really the only thing that's going to really get us a level of intimacy and community with those people is by continually opting in right like continually choosing to go around the roundabout yeah totally just like almost just the habit of it. There is something we have. We have to be boundaried people. We have to know our limits. And sometimes that looks like crashing against not in a roundabout way, but like it like crashing up against people who are different than us. Right. Within the community, the church or in our neighborhoods and choosing instead of to like pick our friends based on what we want or like to choosing to be in community with people. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea, like you said, of. Uh, of limits. I mean, I don't like limits. I don't like it. Right. But there is a reality to the fact that we are uh, creatures with limits. And, um, you know, even in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God put limits on them, said you can eat mm -hmm. from any tree of the, the garden except for the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, we are finite beings. And, um, but we now live in a time where the wonder of technology, uh, at least holds out the promise that we can live, uh, without limits. Right. You can do work 24 seven. We have electricity. Right. And it's not going well for us. No, it's not. It's not going well for us so far. Well, how would you say like consumerism has kind of drifted into the church? Like, um, you know, people you meet or just thinking about we moved here to plant a church, this idea of we can pick and choose our church, we can pick and choose our worship service, we can pick and choose if we go or not has kind of changed. I don't know if it's a, a demographic change, if it's just. Yeah, well, it's definitely true that the allure, the false allure of convenience has bled into all aspects of life, including church. And I think that there is this incredible tendency to view uh, worship like the way we view uh, our grocery store. And, mm. you know, we go to I go to like our family, you know, I think our preference would be Trader Joe's. You know, we were a Trader Joe's family, <laughs> but there's some places, some things that you need to go to Albertsons for. Right. Um, and maybe that's more convenient. And it would be crazy to think that. If we hadn't been into Trader Joe's in like four weeks, that the uh, you know the the leadership at Trader Joe's would like <laughs> call us and wonder where we are. <laughs> right? Uh, what's going on? We're worried about you guys. We've been praying for you. You haven't been in lately. Is everything okay? And that's kind of the way that people hmm. have come to view church now. Where yeah, I mean, I'm there if it's convenient for me, and if I'm not, I'm fine. You know, back off. Right. Um, and I think that. Uh, I think that um, when we when we view church as an event instead of church as a community, church as a family, uh, we are all the poorer for it. Right. And yet, the challenge is that th that's the world that we live in. So how do we how do we how do we love people when um, you know how do we love people who show up and that's their expectation that church is no different than. Uh, any other consumer experience that they're involved in? That, that is the question. <laughs> <laughs> We're still figuring that one out. But um, I think a lot of it is I've seen too in the course of 
uh, starting this church and being invested in our community, just the, the beauty of faithfulness as a character trait, um, just seeing people continually show up, continuing to serve. Yeah, I, I think that the Bible um, commends faithfulness and perseverance far more than we tend to. Mm. And um, a couple months ago, in my uh, kind of regular Bible reading plan that uh, we do as a church, um, we were reading through the book of Revelation. And one of the things that struck me was, um, you know, the, the book of Revelation describes uh, the reality of human history with the curtain pulled back and what's really going on in our world. And the reality is that it's not easy to live as a Christian in this world. And yet uh, the Bible continues to commend uh, the faithfulness and the perseverance of the saints um, to those who persevere, to those who, who, who make it to the end. And that's not often how we think about life in this world. We want to you know, we want to crush it. <laughs> we want to do everything better than we did it last time and bigger and bolder. And, um, yeah, perseverance is worth a lot. Just being faithful. Mm -hmm. Isn't that such like a load off too? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be a superstar. You gotta be faithful. Just keep showing up. Just <laughs> yeah. putting one foot in front of the other, showing up for people. What do you think we do with this? You know, this convenience and when we tend to see our neighborhoods as convenient, or our friends as convenient, or even our children as convenient and our churches as convenient. Like, what are things we can do to kind of wean ourselves off of the convenience mentality or at least to start noticing that? Yeah. I, 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 you know, one thing that I think is really interesting is that the way that we talk, um, I think, betrays um, us from t sometimes because we will often say things like I can't or I have to when what we really mean is I don't want to. Right. And I think it's um, a good practice to start noticing those times when hmm. I say I can't do that or I have to do this and to take a step back and think, well, I don't actually have to do this. Um, you know, I don't have to, my children don't have to go to this activity. And if I've chosen to take them to that activity and therefore I'm opting out of something else, um, it's, I, I, we don't have to do that. Yeah. We're, we're not we're, like we're our lives do, do not hold us captive. Right. We're not the victim of our circumstances. We are, we are choosing, uh, to spend our time the way that we choose to spend our time. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't think that we need to like go looking for ways to make our lives less convenient or to pursue inconvenience. I don't think convenience has to be a bad thing, but I think it can become an excuse for not doing um, good things or better things. Or character building things. Right. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe just um, taking notice of the way that we talk um, when we say we have to do something. Do we really have to do it or are we just using that as an excuse to not do something that we think maybe we should? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, noticing the words we use because they don't they're not coming from a void is really important. Yeah. So 
why don't you wrap us up with one small step? How can we take, what small step could we take after listening to this conversation? Well, thank you. Thank you, Bryce. (laughs) You guys do know that I love to leave you with one small step because I think all of these big ideas need to get worked out into the fabric of our everyday lives. And I think what Bryce has said is one way to begin to kind of reframe how we think, right? What Pay attention to what words you use. But beyond that is one small step to kind of think about this idea of convenience. How about this? This next week, why don't you plan a meal? Okay, plan a meal. Look up something that sounds amazing. Try a new recipe. Go shopping for the ingredients. Maybe you create this meal by by yourself. Maybe you invite friends and family, your kids into it. But do something that will slow your body down and slow your mind down and you won't be distracted with social media or something where you feel like you have to be productive. So try using your body in ways of service to other people just by simply making a meal. And I will put in the show notes at aahales.com slash podcast a few of our favorite recipes. Try making a meal. See how it goes. Slow your body down one small step to think about producing something instead of consuming something. So this has been really fun. Thanks for joining us for this first episode of our little suburban boot camp interlude. Before we kick off season two, make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the information is found at aahales.com slash podcast. We will love to see you finding holy wherever you are because big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.